You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Cyber attack worries mount with international tensions over North Korea. France's first-round presidential elections conclude with two outsiders headed for the finals. WikiLeaks and Shadow Brokers leaks find their way into the criminal wild. The U.S. shows renewed interest in prosecuting WikiLeaks' Assange. Lockie Ransomware is back from the dead. More Canadian pharma spam. Seleznev gets 27 years for carding. And notes on some less than fully successful criminals. I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Monday, April 24th, 2017. Concerns about cyber attack, as usual, follow in the train of rising international tension. This can be seen currently as U.S. worry about North Korean hacking prompts conversations about U.S. vulnerability to cyber attacks directed by Pyongyang. Kaspersky has been reminding the world that the Lazarus Group, implicated most famously in the partially successful funds transfer fraud committed against the Bangladesh Bank in February 2016, is connected to the North Korean regime by strong circumstantial evidence. The U.S. has also accused Pyongyang of the November 2014 Sony Pictures hack. While the Kim regime's recent talk has been decidedly kinetic, with much lurid propaganda involving promised missile strikes and widespread nuclear devastation, delivered for the most part in the characteristic model airplane aesthetic of Zhuzh culture, that country's missiles are regionally dangerous but not yet capable of the promised havoc. Cyber attack is thought much more likely. A study HP conducted in 2014 remains a good guide to North Korean capabilities. The report estimated the size of North Korea's offensive cyber force as some 6,000 personnel, some of whom operate under clandestine illegal cover in foreign countries, China among them. Infrastructure targets, including well-defended financial networks and arguably more vulnerable power grids, are thought to be at risk. Small and unrelated power outages last week in New York, Los Angeles, and San Francisco are being talked about as cautionary examples. The disruptions all appear to have had accidental non-cyber causes, but they have underscored potential vulnerabilities in the grid. China's government is none too happy about North Korean behavior either, but their reaction is a complex one. An embargo on North Korean coal exports, but also unhappiness over South Korean efforts to build up defenses against missile attack. China is specifically concerned, according to analysts at security company FireEye, about South Korea's deployment of missile defenses in the form of the Terminal High Altitude Air Defense, or THAAD, system. 
The PLA has targeted its cyber espionage assets accordingly. The first round of France's presidential election concluded yesterday. The runoff will be between Emmanuel Macron and Marine Le Pen, both outsiders, both regarded as populists. No word yet on whether the feared foreign influence operations appeared in this election, but the finals will be watched closely. WikiLeaks' release of alleged CIA cyber espionage tools in Vault 7 continues to prompt concerns over the risk all enterprises face when such tools hit the wild. Similar concerns surround the presumably independent release by the shadow brokers of what the group claims are NSA tools. One of those, the double pulsar backdoor, affects large numbers of unpatched Windows machines worldwide, 36,000 according to estimates by security firm Below Zero Day. Countercept has released a tool that promises to determine whether a system has the double pulsar implant, and of course, users are advised to patch their systems. U.S. investigations of the apparent leaks proceed, but without much public comment about progress. The U.S. Justice Department has taken a renewed interest in indicting and prosecuting WikiLeaks's Julian Assange, still resident in Ecuador's London Embassy. How he might be charged is still unclear. Assange's attorneys position their client as a journalist and argue that his prosecution would be tantamount to an attack on press freedom. A former official who worked on the matter during the previous U.S. administration told Foreign Policy that, quote, The problem with the investigation was finding a case that you could bring against Julian Assange that wouldn't also apply to reporters from every major U.S. media outlet, end quote. Mr. Assange, it's worth noting, has taken refuge in the Ecuadorian embassy to avoid extradition to Sweden on charges unrelated to WikiLeaks. Lockheed Ransomware, recently given up for dead, is back. The Revenant malware is being distributed by the newly active Nikur's botnet. Experts agree that regular secure backup of files is the best thing you can do to protect yourself from the effects of a ransomware attack. You'll be inconvenienced, but you won't lose irreplaceable data. Google has booted SMS Vova spyware from the Play Store. SMS Vova cloaked itself inside a bogus system update app that promised users that it would keep their Android devices up to date. Researchers at security company Zscaler say that between 1 and 5 million users downloaded the app over the past three years. SMS Vova was particularly interested in harvesting location data. Researchers at security company Encapsula reported finding a large and evasive spam campaign hawking counterfeit pharmaceuticals, the usual discount Viagra come on. More than 80,000 unique IP addresses are serving the spam. It's a large criminal campaign, the latest iteration of the Canadian pharmacy scam long pursued by organized gangs, most of which appear to be headquartered in Russia and Ukraine. A U.S. court at the end of last week handed down the stiffest sentence on record, 27 years, to Roman Valerievich Seleznev, Russian carter and son of Valery Seleznev, an influential member of Russia's Duma. Seleznev was arrested while on holiday in the Maldives in 2014, extradited via Guam to Seattle, and convicted in August 2016. In mitigation, he unsuccessfully pleaded a difficult Vladivostok life, the details of which do indeed sound sad, his mother's death to alcohol poisoning, a bombing, an unpleasant divorce. Still, he had been something of a princeling. The Russian government, for example, took sufficient notice of his arrest to mount an ultimately unsuccessful campaign denouncing it as kidnapping, and the U.S. court apparently was more moved by the damage Seleznev's carding worked, 
Many of his targets were small businesses, at least some of which were driven into bankruptcy by Seleznev's crimes. Two more stories of crime and punishment are worth mentioning, neither one a case of criminal genius at work. In one, a guy stealing smartphones at the Coachella Festival apparently forgot about Find My iPhone. He had about a hundred stolen devices in his backpack when he was collared. And in New York, it's come to light that the FBI, earlier this month, arrested an IT engineer on Wall Street for hacking into his employer's servers. The feds think he was stealing proprietary source code. The gentleman, under official suspicion, said he was worried about his job and so was looking into people's emails to see if he was about to be fired. Fired he was, the very act taken to avert his fate, working to bring that fate about. It's like Dumb and Dumber, only written by Sophocles. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And joining me once again is Emily Wilson. She's the director of analysis at Terbium Labs. Emily, you know, we had this uh, story not too long ago about the uh, the emergency alert sirens in Dallas uh, being set off. And it turns out this was um, not so much a, a cyber connectivity issue or anything like that. It was uh, these, these sirens are triggered by an RF signal, a radio signal, and uh, someone took advantage of the fact that it, these systems respond to those uh, RF signals in the clear. There's really no protection against them. But you wanted to make the point, it, it brings up a good point that some people are out there to do things sort of for the spectacle of it, and that can have some unintended consequences. Absolutely. You know, in this case, you know, originally in the news, right, we saw you know people referencing a hack, as you described, right? right. So the immediate assumption there is, is something is wrong with uh, you know, someone has a laptop somewhere that they shouldn't, or is there something wrong with the software? Right. But it's interesting in this Dallas case that you know I think it it's fair to uh, 
to suppose that this whoever did it may have been just doing it for the laughs um, or to sort of prove a point that they could do it. But there were some consequences. The, the 911 systems were overloaded for a period of time. And so uh, people who had other types of emergencies may not have been able to get the, the services they get. And I suspect that that may have been an unintended consequence of the person who did this. Sure. And I, I think you also saw a range of reactions from people in Dallas, right? I'm, I'm sure no one was happy it was happening, but you saw some combination of people being confused or making jokes to people being genuinely concerned, right? People being afraid. Is this uh, is this a terrorist attack? Is there something going on? Am I safe? Um, and so I think, you know, the, these spectacles d- can definitely have unintended consequences. The same thing, you know, when we see certain certain types of data showing up, right, or certain types of exploits being traded around, you know, it, it's the step beyond vandalism. Sometimes people really want to make a splash. And you think about something like the uh, the medical records being dumped after the uh, the Olympics from the, the World Anti-Doping Agency, right? Big spectacle, big conversation, but now you have personal information out there about all of these athletes that they can't change. It's not like a credit card. You can't reissue it. The spectacle is going to cause a lifelong problem for some of these people. So the motivation of the people releasing those records may have been as simple as, oh, yeah, watch this, without really thinking through or considering the long-term consequences for all the people who are you know, innocent bystanders of a drive-by attack. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think... We're all wondering now, are we going to see copycats of this this Dallas-style siren fiasco? Are we going to see people poking at other things? What else can I do with radio frequencies? And maybe, hopefully, I suppose, this will have kind of far-reaching impacts on conversations about things we never thought we'd need to encrypt. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, these siren systems have been out there for 50 years or more, and this hasn't been a problem. And now everybody knows about it and knows how to do it. Does that mean they have, you know, steps will have to be taken to lock them down? Right. And and what else, right, besides the sirens? What what else could be a problem? And, and how do we begin to, you know, think about this and allocate these resources? You know, what what is this going to mean for you know, other cities, smaller cities, you know, as you mentioned, right, when the, when the 911 system shuts down, then you're not just talking about an annoying noise, you're talking about potentially life and death situations because someone wanted to have fun. Right. All right. Emily Wilson, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the CyberWire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.
And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. 